Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Dr. Mark Jones. Dr. Jones is the State Director for Texas Baptist Student Ministry. He has served with the BSM for 27 years, including 21 years in Tyler, Texas, working with Tyler Junior College and UT Tyler. Dr. Jones grew up in San Antonio and came to Christ through a campus-based high school ministry. He received a BA in English and Religion from Baylor University, where he sensed a call to full-time ministry. He continued his education at both Southwestern Seminary, where he received his MDiv, and Samford University's Beeson Divinity School, where he received his Doctorate of Ministry. Without further ado, Dr. Mark Jones. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the first chapter. If you if you've got it on your phone, that's all good. No shame. Very good. Uh, we'll be in the first chapter of Philippians uh, today. And what I mean to say, it, it is such a, a privilege and honor to be with you today. I'm so excited about Robert and Luis and, and Jeremy, everybody that has helped in the, in the committee that has helped put together a real connection between Criswell and, uh, and BSM. Uh, the opportunity to, to work on a local campus for you all who are many of you preparing for ministry to have kind of a lab, uh, a place for you to engage and work with those. Many, many at Eastfield may know, may know Christ, but there are going to be a lot that you encounter at an Eastfield college that don't know Jesus. And uh, it is our burden in collegiate ministry, and George and Mark are here uh, from our, two of our, our uh, faithful campus ministers. Uh, you know, our heart is for the disconnected and the lost on our campuses, that we would see them transformed and changed by the gospel and be involved in uh, a community, maybe a community there on campus, but ultimately to be connected to great local churches. I mean, that's our, that's our heart. We want to see students reach with the gospel. It's not really about planting a BSM flag as much as really seeing Jesus proclaimed and lived out. Uh, that gospel presence on a campus, that intentional engagement is what we're, we're seeking to be all about. Uh, we're going to spend some time in, in the um, first chapter of Philippians, and, and some of you may have had uh, some background understanding. Philippians was one of the four letters that we know were written from a Roman jail, uh, uh, written uh, in the early 60s, probably A.D. Paul had visited uh, Philippi and started the church uh, in Philippi in uh, the, the 40s, probably mid-40s, and uh, he had an ongoing, continual relationship, a positive relationship. And, and some of you may know that, that some of the letters of Paul, he has a, a kind of a corrective tone where there's, a, uh, there's some issues that he has to really deal with uh, in writing back to uh, whatever that church is or the, the group of churches. Not so much. There, there, you know, there are some issues there, some things to be careful about that, that Paul addresses. But really, it's a celebration. It's a 
uh, a joyful, grateful thanksgiving that Paul rolls out in, in Philippians. Uh, I want to, uh, before we jump in, I was going to tell you a quick story. You mentioned that I've got two grandchildren. You know, I've gone as a, as a communicator from talking all about my kids, and, and they, they got tired of that sometimes, of me always using them as illustrations. Now I have two grandchildren. I have a six-month-old uh, little grand boy, uh, and he's just awesome and cute and, you know, uh, cuddly and everything. Well, my granddaughter is three, savvy, and she is much okay she is just she's awesome but she is much and I was gonna tell you a quick story right after Christmas uh, uh, she was uh, I overheard she and my wife and her, her grandmother name is BB BB and Savvy were talking in Savvy's room and we have a kind of a little room that we've made when she comes over it's like her little room and I'm overhearing them kind of go back and forth and Savvy was laying out she had a you know as a three-year-old where you're the only grandchild it's an awesome time to be a kid you know, at Christmas time, she got lots, and she really liked getting stuff, getting presents. And so she was early in January. She was seeking for this to con- continue, right? She wanted the presents to continue to come in. And so she told my wife, and I overhear this. She said, "My birthday is next week." And my wife is like, "Next week? Really? I thought it was maybe a little later than that." No, BB, it's next week. Uh, and she goes, Savvy, your birthday is in November. And my granddaughter says, Yes, Vember. Yes, Vember. Basically, I have spoken it. It is now next week. What I want to look at today is some yeses from the Apostle Paul. Some yeses about some key things that we will hopefully see as an encouragement and a challenge to live out as we seek to be leaders and followers of Christ. Look with me at God's Word, and I'm going to go through just the first 11 verses, and we'll see how much time, and I'll try not to keep you here forever. Uh, First chapter of Philippians, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. I love that phrase. You're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may be able to approve what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's Word, read for all of us, God's people. I want to start, the first bold yes that we have within this context is a yes for prayer. A yes for prayer. Does it sound like in that verse 3 that prayer for Paul was a I don't know, a casual thing? 
a once in a while kind of thing? No. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, now you may be saying, now, he's in a jail cell, right? What else does he have to do? I think that prayer, Paul understood that, and, and this is something that still kind of blows my mind. I'm not really sure how prayer works. Am I, am I alone in that? You're, you're like, I know I need to pray more. I know I need to be dedicated to prayer but somehow it is prayer that fuels. It is, it is our connection to God. And it's not like God needs the prayer. We need the prayer. We need to put ourselves in position of continual just reliance on God. And, and so I, I look at what those prayers looked like for Paul. It was, he is praying, I think he's praying for himself. He, he's in jail. Paul's a, a missionary, a church starter. It was not a fun place for him to be. He wanted to be in a different context, in a different situation, but, but he's praying. He's praying for his release. God, if it's your will, I'm ready to be out of this jail. So it was personal, but then really it's, it is with a joy and a thanksgiving because he is focused outward. Somehow what God was doing in his heart and life, it allowed him to focus outward for what was what, what was going on with the Philippians' lives. So he remembers them. He remembers and he talks about his partnership in the gospel. We'll get to that in just a second. But I want to stop with this call to fervent, dedicated prayer. Realizing that for me, a lot of times I tack prayer onto the end of a lot of a busyness in a day. I'll do, you know, like I, I know I need to pray. There's a call here to pray at the beginning, pray in the middle, and pray at the end. And, and where we've seen God, and I, I, where we've seen God work most in, on our campuses around our state, when we, we see new doors open for opportunities on, on campuses. And I, we, we talk about the campus at Eastfield. Did y'all go and prayer walk the campus over there at Eastfield? I bet you did. I bet there were opportunities to, to, to go onto campuses. We're seeing where God is working uh, around our state in, in Laredo, for instance, we had a, a group that went and prayed. Maybe the most unreached city in all of Texas is in Laredo, right there on the border. There's a 10,000 student extension of Texas A&M called Texas A&M International that's in Laredo. How many of you didn't know that, that there was a huge A&M extension down there? We had a group that was there, had a couple of students that moved back home to Laredo. They began to pray and to prayer walk the campus and meet new students. And we saw something, kind of a movement of God, where it's kind of an, a group that rose up there, students just coming together, several students making decisions for Christ. And it was only later that we moved a, a worker there to kind of work with them. The students were doing it, and it was fueled first by prayer. We're seeing God open a door in Midland, Odessa. We're, we're replanting ministry at Midland College, Odessa College, and UT Permian Basin. You've got churches in Midland, Odessa, and they don't play real nice together in Midland, Odessa. Two different kind of cultures and communities that are right next to each other. But they have come together, these leaders from different churches, saying, we can put aside all these other differences. And as they pray together, they're saying, God, would you do something on our college campuses. Prayer must be foundational for us. The second thing that kind of rolls into this, where he's most thankful, that thankfulness in prayer, is for that partnership. And he uses the word, it's that same koinonia. He was, it was something about the, the coming together in life. And he, he basically was saying that the Philippians were his people. 
I'm their person, they support me, they encourage me, they pray for me, and they have my heart. I think it's a wonderful thing within our lives to look at those people that are not just the, the casual acquaintances. You, you need to have a few people in your life that really have your heart's best in mind. We may not have a lot of people like that, but we need people like that. And we need to lean in and, and we need to be grateful for those people. I, I have one, uh, one man I served on staff with about 20 years, 25 years ago. Uh, that still is a regular part. He's a former campus minister and a pastor, and now he runs a ministry uh, in the Tyler area. And he is one of those men that just has my heart's best in mind. Calls me on a regular basis, asks me about family, asks me about ministry. He always tells me he's proud of me. And then he prays with me over the phone. You know, see, for Paul, that influence and that heart for, for the Philippians and them for him was not somehow restricted by the fact that they were separate you know we now have the ability to stay connected with people whether on our phone or or whatever else it's better to be face to face and you hear that with what Paul says right he longs he yearns to be with them again and he he will eventually be able to see them again but he's like "Ah, I'm gonna have to settle for this so I'm gonna write these words of of, of encouragement and, 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 and affection back to you because this is the best I can do. And I'm just, I'm okay with it, but I'd rather be with you. So you have the, the yeses, the yes for deep relationships. Yeah, you know, I think we talk a lot about discipleship. Discipleship should be, and I know that the term is over, overused, but it, it should be a sharing of life, Right? a sharing of burdens, a sharing of, of celebrations, of joys, of hardships. We need people to walk with because life is hard. So that yes for those partnerships, those yes for the yes for prayer. And then he also, and this is something to, to really, re, the, the reminder that what God starts, God finishes. God is able how many of you, you started your walk with the Lord when you were just a, a child? You made a decision to follow Jesus as a child. How many, how many of you, it was a, a, a teenager? It was really during your teenage years that you had an awakening or, 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 or a, a faith experience. You know, so much of our ministry is, is that first encounter, and we're seeing students come from death to life, where they weren't believers, and now they're believers. People from other faith backgrounds, they're, you know, on our campuses, we have students from Buddhist backgrounds, and Muslim backgrounds, and, and all sorts, and, and atheists. They came up where there's no faith in their family, but we also have a lot of prodigals, those that, that may have encountered Christ, or, or walked, been involved in somebody's youth group, or whatever, when they were younger, but they got into high school, and then on to college, and they have taken step after step away and they no longer really walk with Jesus. I had an encounter, we, we, uh, in Tyler we would do these, uh, we did free laundry for students. Kind of a, you know, laundry was a basic need and they were the, the washers and dryers in the dorms were not, half the time weren't working. And so we would we'd basically use, we'd go to a laundromat and from nine to about one in the morning, nine at night to one in the morning, we'd just use the laundromat and we would provide quarters and soap and food and everything else and then anybody from the campus could come god worked I, it was so cool my my students my leaders would get there early and i had a couple of pentecostal students 
you know, that, that were involved in our group. And what were they doing? They were going around to every washer and dryer. They were anointing it with oil, okay? They were, uh, you know, they were, you know, they were praying fervently for what God might do when students came in. And I, I remember one night I had this young lady and, and uh, she, was, she got there early and she was with a friend and I didn't know her and kind of were, you know, some of my students were trying to engage her and I was saying hi to her. And she, we, we kind of made those initial introductions and then I, I heard her singing and she had the most beautiful voice. And I went over and I said, you have just the most beautiful voice. Did you, and you know, I, I said, you grow up, you, you know, have you sang? She goes, well, I used to be involved in a, in a youth choir when I was younger. And, I, and what's the follow-up when she says that? And I, I said, well, you know, are you involved in, in anybody's church now? Are you going to, and it was like flipping a switch. She just started weeping. It, it was, it was, and, I, and I, here I'm going, mayday. You know, she's crying, I need, I need help. Uh, so I, I was able to pull pull one of our, 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 our female leaders over and to meet with her. Here was a young lady, came to wash her clothes, but there was a whole lot more going on. And the prodigals are called to come home. And what, what, what Paul seems to be saying here is that we, we need to, to make sure that we remember that what God starts in somebody's life, he can finish, that he can complete that in the name of Jesus. Um, Sometimes we have a lot of mess that we go through, a lot of things that would, would separate us from, from God. And, and Paul says that he finished. This is a real life verse for me. The guy that led me to Christ, I, it was mentioned that I came to Christ in the campus ministry. The first Bible that I had, the, the guy that led me to Christ and discipled me early wrote that, Philippians 1.6, for I'm confident of this very thing that he that begins the good work will can carry it to completion. Um, you also see the, the, the call in, in the, the, the verses following there, in verses 8 and 9, verses 9 really. What Paul prayed also earnestly for was growth in the life of the Philippians, in the lives of the Philippians. He wanted them to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. There was always a, a, a connection. It wasn't like he was hoping for some spiritual, you know, kind of in the... Uh, 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 in the uh, heavenly realms. He wanted it to be practical and livable for the Philippians. He wanted them to live life as believers. And he said, what you need to do is you need to grow, and I'm going to pray that you would grow in knowledge and discernment or wisdom in the ability to make good decisions. He says, I want you to know first. Now, I think that here is one of the most knowledgeable men of his era, of his age, he knew the Old Testament, knew all, I mean, he was a Pharisee, so he had memorized a lot of the Old Testament. He also knew by going to the universities there, he, had, he knew so much of the ideologies of the world. But, but what he said, and you see this later in the letter, knowing Jesus was most important. So what, what Paul is praying for the Philippians is they would know Jesus better, that they would know. And, and for us, how do we know Jesus better? We're around Jesus' people. We're sensitive to the, to the move of the Spirit, and we spend time in God's Word. We know Him by learning about Him. We, we listen to godly people share about Jesus, but we spend time in Scripture. So that call to knowledge and depth of insight so that they would be, and he wanted them to be the most godly examples of, of Jesus that they could be. And that had to do with the decisions that they were making with, as, as business people, in their relationships, with their language, how they responded to conflict. All of those things he wanted God to capture their heart. He wanted them to grow profoundly. 
He also, um, if we move on to the, uh, uh, to the verses that follow that, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. For it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, this is a, this is a real understanding of us taking hold of the context and the situation that we're in. The place that Paul was in was not an ideal place, at least in his mind. He'd much rather be out leading churches, starting churches, and everything else. But I think that as he reflected on this, he's kind of like, you know, it blows my mind too, but somehow God is using this. God is all about me being in this jail because here I am, this prisoner for Jesus, and, and the most elite of the Roman guard, you know, the Roman army, the most powerful army in the world at that time, the most decorated and esteemed soldiers within that army, the Praetorian Guard, who were selected to be part of the palace guard. Again, these guys were the big deal in the Roman world, and they were chained to him. And actually, the word in the original language is they were short-chained to him. He was chained to them. They were chained to him. All the time, he's able to share Jesus with them. They were kind of a, you think, well, he was the captive. Well, no, they were the captive audience because he had the opportunity to share with him. And I think that the, the yes for us in this context is that we own where it is we are placed. There is a deep sense of kind of resolve and joy and contentment that God's got this. I'll tell you one story, and this is, I told you I wasn't going to tell a story about my kids, but my, my youngest son is now 25 but he was probably six or seven, and we had a, uh, one of his little friends over. His friend's named Holt. And uh, Holt was just one of those little guys, you dude. I mean, just, you know, you meet, meet some of those little boys that are just kind of, there's a little attitude, a little edge to them. Well, I remember he came in, and he was going to hang out and play with my son. And he came, came in, and he lived just right, right, right next door. And uh, he comes over, and he goes, Mr. Jones? He's kind of walking and pointing at me. He's going, Mr. Jones, I'm just going to be here for a little while. Then i got to go help my dad with something. And I was like, hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, you know, came in. As soon as he came in, I kind of locked the door after him. He goes up and, and you know, they kind of hang out. And then he comes back down. Same thing. He's going out. He's going, Mr. Jones, I'll see you later. I got to go help my dad. And I was like, we're glad you came in. You know, glad you blessed us with your presence. We're glad you're here. You kind of, he's, he's walking out. And, and as he kind of goes out, he, he starts to go to the door. And, and he starts kind of fumbling with the door and the lock. And he turns around. And then it was almost kind of like the Matrix or something. Everything kind of slowed down. And I realized I'm about to get told off by a six-year-old. He points back up at me and he goes, I thought I told you I needed to leave in a minute and help my dad. And, and so I'm running over to the door, apologizing to this six-year-old, and I'm, I'm kind of fumbling with the door, and I got it open, and I said something real brilliant, like, I didn't lock the door hold to, to keep the good guys in. I, I really locked it to keep the bad guys out, like that. And he, he kind of nodded and kind of half acknowledged me, and he's kind of walking back across the, he's walking back across the lawn, and then he spins around and he points back up at me. He goes, you know what, Mr. Jones? you don't need to worry about bad guys at all. He goes, you know what? Right next door is my dad. 
and my dad is a government agent. And his dad was. His dad's ATF, right? He goes, my dad takes care of guns and bombs and bad guys all the time. So if we got any problems, I just go get my dad. You know, I think that, that Paul in this yes for owning where he was, he remembered who his daddy was. He remembered that God it wasn't by accident. God's in control. God placed him there for a reason, and he was going to maximize. He was going to make the most of that opportunity for the sake of the gospel. And the thing that was, it was incredible is that what God was doing there wasn't staying there. And this is a word for us today, that what God does here at Crystal College, as God prepares you, develops relationships of support, you are challenged academically that what God wants to do here, he doesn't want to keep here only. To have mission points, to have opportunities to work alongside, to, to do ministry in places like Eastfield, that's an exciting thing. The rest of this, the rest of this chapter is also incredible where Paul really, he, he, he has a, a joy and a contentment that says even when motives are mixed, you know, he says, you know, some people are preaching out of rivalry and some people, they're trying to use the fact that Paul was in jail so they could, they could somehow elevate themselves. And Paul had a certain calm that just says, you know what? The gospel's being preached. And if the gospel's being preached, good things are happening in people because the gospel is greater than the men and women that represent it. I mean, he, he mentions he wants them to live worthy of the gospel. He wants them to have lives with, of discernment and, and knowledge and wisdom. He wants them to be, and I love the, he wants them to be the pure, one substance of one heart for God. He wants them to be blameless. That's actually a, a legal word that is not stumbled over. You know, we don't want to have lives that anybody looking to come to Jesus would, would trip over us. He wanted all that for them, but he also trusted that God was in control. And then he says, he has a resolve there at the end. He says, you know, I don't know whether I'm going to go on and, and be with Jesus. I'm going to lose my life in jail or, or if I'm going to stay. He goes, I'm not sure. I think he was praying that he would be able to get out and continue to do mission work. But he says, you know, regardless, it's a win-win for me. It's a win-win situation. I stay. I get to be fruitful. I need to continue in ministry to encourage you and to be a witness to these soldiers and everything else. And God's going to use that. But if I die, I get to be with Jesus. So it's a win-win. And I love at the end, and this is where I'm going to close with, he says, uh, convinced of this, I, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. As long as I'm able to write, as long as I'm able to pray, I'm going to remain with you. There's a certain, sometimes we want to get really ahead of ourselves. We can't wait for what's next that we lose the joy and the opportunity of the now. Students, make the most of your time at Criswell. Remain here, invest here, pray fervently. Let God prepare you during this time and then look for opportunities where he's placed you to do the work of God. Yes to deep relationships, yes to fervent prayer, Yes, to trusting God to be bigger than our circumstance and our situation. Yes, yes, to making a difference where he has placed us. I want to close by just mentioning, um, 
what you may have heard in the news, and that's that the Asbury College and, and what's going on. How many of you are familiar with that story of what's going on uh, in Kentucky right now? I mention that because I don't think we, we're, we're seeing a, a movement, kind of a, a, a real tangible presence of God, not orchestrated by lots of of uh, uh, mechanics or, or whatever. It hasn't been one preacher or anything. It's been a dedication to prayer and testimony and word, and we're seeing a movement of God's Spirit. Hours and hours, days and days now of students at Asbury College seeking God. And I, I don't know what God's going to do on campuses around our state, but I love the prayer that says, God, why not here? Why not now? Break our hearts individually, corporately for what you might do. You know, that, 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 those times at Asbury, it's apparently times of confession, times of, 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 of reconnection and forgiveness uh, among relationships, times of just seeking out God. I hear that, and, and uh, I was sharing with Rob a little bit uh, about, you know, my first response is going, yeah, is that really real? Is that really an authentic kind of thing? Well, I don't know, but I want something authentic. I want something real to stir our hearts and to drive us to our knees so that we can say, I want to be fully yours. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this challenge and this example from the Apostle Paul uh, to be joyful in prayer, to be f- thorough and consistent in our prayer life, to to make the most of the context we're in, to celebrate those relationships, the partnerships where we're encouraged and supported in life. Father, I pray that might be our prayer, Lord, that we would remain, that we would remain in you, remain in connection with you, and that we would just trust you for however you might use us in the days ahead. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.